Antonio Tone Johnson's a photographer who grew up in West Philly and Overbrook. He's got a new book out called You Next, Reflections in Black Barbershops, and he's our guest on this episode of the Philly Blunt. Tone shares his childhood experiences in barbershops with his father and uncle and how a trip to Havana gave him the idea for the You Next project. He ran a successful Kickstarter campaign behind the idea soon after he was traveling the country documenting black barbershops. We talk with Tone about the importance of the barbershop in the black community, what makes a barbershop special, and the importance of the vibe of the shop. He also documented Haircut Day at Fulton County Jail, and he shares the impact that had on him. During a blunt segment, Tone confesses to his wildest haircut, best Halloween costume, and his go-to steak shop in town. And we all collectively vented about folks in the suburbs claiming they're from Philly. The Unext Project is an important one, and we think you'll find his inspiration and process for shooting the book an interesting listen. Don't forget to tell your friends about us if you dig what we're doing, because there's nothing more important than word of mouth. And uh, support our sponsors, Shy Vintage Sports. Uh, where you can get your vintage Philly shirts and sports teams gear, shyvintagesports.com. There's a story in every stitch, and johnville.com, J-A-W-N-V-I-L-L-E.com, for the rants, ramblings, and observations of a born and raised Philly bloke. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt, and check out videos of our interviews on our Facebook page. We hope you enjoy the sit-down with photographer Antonio Johnson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reed. Hey, this is Greg. And we are excited on uh, this very strange Friday to be sitting down uh, with the author and photographer of a, a, a brand new book. Uh, please welcome Antonio Johnson, the author and photographer of You Next. What's up, man? Welcome, man. What's happening, fellas? I'm so happy to be talking to y'all today yeah great that, to have y'all on is that a philly shirt you're rocking it's definitely a philly shirt so nice. uh we'll get into it i'm sure but yeah. i've had many lives in my career right. and um one of those lives was producing a show called ink master which was a tattoo show yeah and philly mm -hmm. has a huge uh tattoo competition every year and one of them brought me back a shirt nice nice yeah nice <laughs> Yeah, so, so how did you go ahead, go ahead, Johnny? Sorry, so you are from West Philly originally, right? Yep, West Philly. Um, I grew up in the Overbrook section of the city. Mm -hmm. Shout out um, to Overbrook. Shout out to Overbrook. I went to school in South Philly my entire life. Um, mm -hmm. so it was always like traveling back and forth. I used to wake up every morning at like like 5 30 every day to catch the school bus at 6 a.m to get to school by like 8 15. What? first one on the school bus what's what's what school was it was it a better option than because I, I grew up up there i went to lamberton and i think lamberton was a, you know it's pretty fairly fairly good school it's better than brook you know what i mean yeah so <laughs> lamberton was directly around the corner from me but my mm -hmm. yeah to go to um a little Christian school in south philly called Calvary okay. temple so i went there okay. from first to eighth grade and then um, all of high school, I went to uh, St. John Newman and Maria Garetti. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it was in West Philly, I guess, you first got your uh, taste of going to the barbershop and I guess first fell in love with the barbershop. Is that right? That's, that's right. Um, so my uncle, who was my mom's youngest brother, was a barber. Um, it was really cool because I would spend a lot of time with him because my, 
my mom would, you know, go to check up on him to see how he was doing um, during the week while he was at Cheney. Um, and it was easy for us to just get to um, his shop on, he was on one and 52nd market. And then he moved to another one on like on 60th and market, um, you know, throughout time. But it was just a cool way to like check in with him and to see, um, to see him. But he always cut my hair. He was very, very like just, ahead of his time and it, when it came to like how he would dress, the music that he was listening to. And I was always reminded uh, or just exposed to like some really cool stuff as a kid by him um, cutting my hair. So we spent a lot of time together. Um, and when my mom was um, pregnant with my sister, he would pick me up from, from you know, pick me up to take me to school. Um, while my dad was at work. So we spent a lot of time together and a lot of that time was, you know, just inside the shop where I would just soak up all of the adult conversations and, you know, the references and influences that they had going on at the time. Um, so that was unique. And then from that time, or, you know, I had that time and then, you know, I would go to the barber shop with my dad, um, which was a cool opportunity to like see his life from the perspective of his friends um, and his barber. So I was all, I was, you know, caught in these two worlds of like very different barber shops and different styles um, and different conversations that I feel like really shaped um, my perspective um, as a kid. It's weird, right? Cause you see, uh, you get to learn that your dad actually has friends and he's a normal adult person when he's in his community and group like that, right? So that's that's the funny thing, because I um, I don't know if you could kind of gather from the fact that my parents sent me to a Christian school in first grade. But my <laughs> you know parents had a, <laughs> gave me a pretty religious upbringing. So, you know, the spaces that I was most that I knew most were school, home and, of course, being in church. Um, and so the most times that I the, the, the majority of the time that I spent with my dad was him kind of disciplining me as a kid at home and making sure I was going on the right path. But also in church, he was very active. Um, so I had that image of him. So going mm -hmm. to the barbershop was a great opportunity to see like, oh, like my dad loved to play basketball. My dad loved to like, right. you know, he, he, he had a full life that was before all of these things and before me. And I kind of got a chance to get to know him in a different way through his friends and all those experiences. They used to call him uh, magic because apparently he mm -hmm. was like Magic Johnson in high school. <laughs> <laughs> nice. did, did you have a specific barber at a certain point that you were, you know, committed to for, you know, it's a, it's a, they, it's a joke that, you know, our barbers are the most, one of the most important relationships of our lives. We, we, we stick with them through thick and thin. Did you come across someone like that in your, your, your uh, youth? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, so unfortunately my bar, my uncle, uh, passed when I was young. Um, and so Sorry. I was exclusively going to my dad's barber, Mr. Leon, who was in Southwest. Um, mm. And once Mr. Leon got, he was older. He was like this guy from the South. He had a jerry curl. He was like, <laughs> it was time for him to, I think he wanted to just kind of like slow things down a little bit. So he decided to stop cutting in, in the shop, but um, cut inside his home. And I remember I went to his house one day to get a cut. 
And I don't know if y'all remember the uh, haircut that Slim from 112 used to have. It was just this like really high fade. And mm-hmm. I, he gave me that. I did not ask for it, but he gave it to me. And I just remember <laughs> feeling like you've just destroyed my entire life. Um, and I that like set my journey into finding my own barber. So, um, you know, trial and error, like you go to the neighborhood shop, you find guys, you know, that uh, cut your friend's hair. But uh, the night of my eighth grade graduation, um, I went to a uh, barbershop, which is still in the Overbrook section called Sharp Skills. You might know it, Reef, if you, uh, it's on mm-hmm. like Haverford Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a guy no, there. Mos- uh, the- Moses. Yeah, so Moses, Moses, mm-hmm. um, sorry, I had a piece of hair in my mouth. Moses um, used to cut hair at a shop next to Mr. Leon's. Me mm-hmm. and my dad never went to him, but we would always just see him around the community. Mm-hmm. So um, Moses was like always saying, it's like, come to my shop, come to my shop. Went to his shop, Moses was busy. He sent us to the back to this guy named G. And mm-hmm. G was this like young guy who was very quiet, but everybody who came out of his chair that day, I was like, you're watching them work (laughs) yeah 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 so uh g became uh my barber it was you know at the time it was like what like 2003 or so so Mm -hmm. the like dark caesar with the waves and like you Mm -hmm. know before sideburns were like long and beards i feel like were really popular at the time everybody Mm -hmm. was getting like points or squares Mm -hmm. so uh, he did yeah so he gave me the like little squares and i was just like this man has really shaped how I need to like, look <laughs> the rest of my life. He's now my lifelong barber. So that, okay. that's how that relationship started. Yep. Is he still working to this day? Yeah, he's he's still my um he's nice. still my like go-to barber. I'm in Atlanta mm-hmm. right now. Right, 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 so right, 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 right. I'm I'm going to this guy Sam, but uh G is my whenever I'm in the city. I go to him um, when I was in New York for a while. I would like bring G from Philly to New York to cut some of the uh, people in the show that I was on, cut their hair and always sneak in a spot for me to get my hair cut too. When you're looking for a barber, I mean, skills obviously have to be on point, but do you also take into consideration the environment that the shop has and the feel and vibe of the shop as well? Yeah, so I'm... I'm one of those guys where it's like, I'm not looking for a shop that is like dangerous, but I'm looking for a shop that <laughs> it's a lot of characters coming in the <laughs> because that's the, that's the thing that like gets me excited about going to a new shop. So if it's like too neat and very manicured, you know, that's nice. I like it. And if they're, you know, good, great. But I'm looking to see, like, oh, this guy comes in every week. Like, he's about to sell us a T-shirt that nobody wants. <laughs> like, this guy's about to, you know, ask us if we listen to this mixtape or, like, talk about something very controversial just to keep the, the energy up. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm def- the environment is very, very important. Yeah, I want, I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about, like, the, the culture, too, because I think that in specifically with Black Barbershops, it's not just a – trip to get a chore done it's a very important part of the culture and i think that's a big part of what you covered in the book is it not yeah yeah so one of the things that i think is really fascinating about the barbershop is that it is a place for so many of us to go to not only for a haircut to look good but to commune with each other um when we think about the ways in which black men are 
um, positioned in the country. There's a lot of conversation about the things that we do, but there's not oftentimes a lot of conversation about the places that we own, the places that we um, congregate and visit just to be ourselves. And the thing about the barbershop that is special, um, if you can find it for you, because not all barbershops are not perfect spaces. There aren't too many perfect spaces that exist in the world. But um, if you can go to a barbershop that affirms your identity, that allows you to show up fully as you are, um, and that um, kind of cult cultivates that, I think that's really important. Um, so for, for me, I, I, and I think that I tried to hit this a lot in the book, it's a safe space for us. It's a space that we can, um, like I said, cultivate our identities, but also find a moment to just rest, um, to have a peace, a peaceful moment, um, but also to share and workshop some of the ideas that we have with like-minded individuals. And I think the, you know, another interesting aspect is that you can go to a barbershop and you can find a kid who is 16 years old sitting right next to a guy who's like 80 and they have literally nothing in common other than the fact that they go to the barbershop and this is where some of their ideas meet. And you get a chance to get these really interesting perspectives about, you know, uh, your life, career opportunities, relationships, family, um, you know, religion. Um, one of the Force interesting debate. things debate sports de oh my gosh how could i forget about the sports debate? Like that's just a given um one of the things that uh i feel like is super important super important and special about the relationship that um my barber has that g has his relationship to islam he's a muslim um in his shop he is able to pray freely you'll oftentimes see him praying in between haircuts um and his community is allowed to be a part of that space so i feel like that's really um, special and not something that I've seen too much of when I was traveling um, mm. and working on the book. So that, I think I answered your question, but I gave you all these yeah. other things. In between. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah uh, so, it, so what happens? So it's a safe space. You can put your guard down. So what happens if annoying people like me and Johnny roll in? Does that change the whole <laughs> dynamic of the space? <laughs> You know, there's I'm white guys this. that go to my barbershop. There's yeah, little, yeah. white guys that go to my barbershop. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that you'll be surprised that this, you know, how many white people walk into a barbershop during yeah. the haircut. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and um, it's got to change the dynamic a little bit, though, doesn't it? Hell no, you're going to get I roasted, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I definitely. So I'm going to tell you two stories. One story is when I was in D.C., there was this guy who was running for office. I don't know, some office. Um, and, and he came into the barbershop to, to give out his flyers. And, you know, the barbers were like, cool, thanks. You can leave him here. But as soon as he left, everybody was like, this dude walked by here every single day, he never comes in, never talks to us. We've seen him so many times, but now that he wants something, he knows right. that the barbershop is a spot that he needs to hit. Mm -hmm. I think that those are the types of things where you say like, you want to be a part of our community, but you don't really want to have any real investment. And I think mm -hmm. that is the issue that most people will have when white people come into the barbershop. Um, but on the flip side to that is I was in Chicago. Um, there was a woman who adopted a black kid and he needed a haircut. So she went to the barbershop, take him to get a cut. Um, and, you know, the barbers were very welcoming and inviting in, a sense, in the sense where they were like, you know, you can leave if you like. He's safe. We're going to take care of him. Um, and or you can just sit here and watch and, you know, we'll be welcome and inviting and not um, have too much 
we'll we'll curb our language a little bit right? uh, <laughs> to make you comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I've, I went to not if she the- stayed though. Don't curb it. I mean, if she left, there's no curb in the language. You just let her roll with the kid there. <laughs> that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to one on on 17th and South uh, for a long time until they closed down recently, and it's definitely as inviting as anywhere. One thing that was no- noticeable to me as as you know an outsider was how you said safe space. And I feel like that totally sums it up because it seemed like no topic was off the table and all opinions were allowed. Like it didn't, you know, it's not like the kind of, it's not like Twitter, you know, where you say something and everybody's going to just start screaming or whatever. You might yeah. have a loud argument, but the argument's going to be totally respectful no matter what angle anybody was coming from, which I really like. Let's get this straight. That might have been in that spot, but in many shops, <laughs> yeah. in, in many shops it, it can get heated. It can get crazy. Um, I remember once there was a. This was like a few, quite a few years ago. But remember when everybody was talking about the Illuminati and they were trying to like tie everybody's career path like and Jay-Z's videos and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, like Jay Z's videos has these demonic images, and this is why he's a part of the Illuminati. Um, the barbershop was like the hot spot for a lot of those conversations, um, and there was, you know, I feel like I don't know this to be true, but I feel like for a certain generation, Will Smith is probably the most famous person to come out of Philly. Yeah. <laughs> and in the barbershop one day, there was a lot of conversation about how Will Smith's career was like funnel or like uh, fueled by the Illuminati. And there were, everybody was like agreeing. And I was like, can, <laughs> can we stop for a second? That makes no sense. We're what we're saying in that instance is that, you know, his talent doesn't matter, that he didn't make interesting choices to get where you know and it became this like loud shouting match um and the interesting thing is that in the barbershop you know it's loud and we're shouting and we're going back and forth but at the end of the day i know that that's just such and such talking trying to be controversial trying to like get an audience um and one of the interesting things about uh, the book is that there's a writer who's done a lot of really cool pieces, but he's from Philly, Julian Kimball. He wrote this essay about how two plus two equals five in the barbershop. That we all know, (laughs) we know the answer. You know what I'm saying? Like we know the actual truth about things, but the barbershop can oftentimes say these wild and crazy things. And we kind of like let that go because we suspend logic um, sometimes in the barbershop. Mm. Did did you uh, get any, was it like, hey, come on in, definitely take pictures, we'll sit down and interview us, or was it like, yo, you had to explain exactly what you were doing and why you were there before they would open up for you? Many times I had to explain myself. <laughs> um, it, it, the cool thing was like, it was a, um, I feel like it was like an exercise in engaging um, black men from all over the country. Um, you know, I, I went to HBCU, so I, I have no I have no issue with other black people or talking to black people. I'm black. My family's black. But, you know, sometimes when you go into different cities by yourself, you don't really know what the reception is going to be. So I I had to always, you know, be prepared to be like, look, I'm Tone. I'm from Philly. I grew up in barbershops. I love, you know, love the community. I'm working on this book, blah, 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 to get people on board. I um, did not, was not always successful. I feel like the city that was most um, apprehensive to me coming in was Chicago. 
um, which was wow, uh, yeah. It was crazy because like I really wanted to shoot there, but the mm-hmm. shops that I did shoot at in Chicago were amazing. Like the the photos are are breathtaking. Um, but they were the most. They they were the that was the city that had the most like pushback. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that I developed. Um, as a technique to get people on my side was trying to find the like loudest barber in the shop. And I knew that if I could get, you know I'm saying, this guy who's saying a lot right now to be on my side, everybody would kind of like fall in line. Um, and that's, that was my strategy. Interesting psychology. <laughs> that's, that's good, that's a good yeah. one. I had, to, I had to be a psychologist a little bit, uh, you know, to get what I wanted. But the thing, too, is I think that whenever I went into a barbershop, people really felt the love and appreciation that I had for the space. Um, and given, you know, social media and the accessibility of our phones, I had so many photos that I could show people um, of what I had done. Um, another thing, too, is. I feel like I'm talking so much to y'all, but no, nah, that's just that's why you're, you're here. For. Nobody wants to hear us talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, at all. Um, I I uh, I launched a Kickstarter in at the top of 2018, um, and it was a great way to get a lot of buy-in from my community, but for other people to share as well. So that gave me a lot of like confidence going into the project that like I knew people were going to be supportive, um, and you know I reached out to people when I would go to different cities, they'd be like, look, I'm about to come to your city. Let me know if your barbershop would be cool to come in and let me talk or, you know, get some photos. And, you know, that that helped a lot. Um, another thing, too, is I use Google Maps as, like, my best friend. So whenever I would go to a different city, I would, like, map out the barbershops that were, like, in walking distance. You got the Clark Griswold going. You got the whole plan for each hour. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, I would just, like, you know, make these, like, little trips um, to, like, see. And I would, like, so I just went to, you know, uh, a sharper image. And they, like, they were cool. Like, they let me take pictures. They're like, oh, you went there? Like, come over here, like take pictures at what, you know, with us. <laughs> so that was a, another cool way to like, not play them against each other, but to like get some buy-in. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you you can't, they can't be the only ones in the book. We want to be in the book right. too. So that right. was cool. Right. Man, I'm so, when he said sharper image, I was thinking, why is he going to that electronic store that pops up in like the mall with King of Pressure? <laughs> uh, come, on, <laughs> come on, Greg, come on, Greg, come on, Greg. Yeah, man, we that's, all have those moments. That's the spot where you go to uh, to sit to sit the yeah, there's chairs and massage, massage, chairs. massage <laughs> chairs. Yeah, okay, like a thousand dollar like Batman suit or something. Yeah. that place was weird. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I ask you what made you um, decide to do all the pictures in uh, black and white? Which is, makes it look beautiful, by the way. Yeah, for Thank sure. Um, the in, the reason why I chose black and white was because in my research when I was just taking the photos just around Brooklyn. I was doing everything on film and there was just so many like light sources. Um, and there were so many colors and skin tones that I felt like were really, really beautiful, but traveling and at the time, my level of expertise, um, I did not feel like it was the best choice to go color because I felt like it was, um, that there was a magic in the uniformity of all the photos being in black and white. You know, there was a way that I could uh, make a, um, you know, a through line between like a, a shop in Chicago and a shop in DC just by the nature of each image being black and white. Um, and it's a choice that I'm like very, very happy um, 
yeah, it looks great going with. Thank you. Thank you. Was the book first inspired? I saw something uh, in an article where you kind of got the idea for the book, maybe in Havana. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, in, that was where I said, yeah. <laughs> Good times yeah. in Havana. <laughs> now, I, That's bringing back some great memories, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> in, in 20, so let me, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, 2016, go to Havana. I um, got everything ready. At the time, the border is not open to us yet. So you got to go all around. So I had to go to Canada, then to Mexico City, and then to Havana. Get to to Toronto. I have a long layover. Go to a museum. Look at this, like, uh, there is the... I want to say the Toronto Museum of Modern Art. I'm not sure if that's the truth or not, but there's this beautiful uh, museum. I like watch a documentary. I have dinner, get get on my flight to go to Mexico City. Um, have another long layover in Mexico City. So I'm just like chilling, hanging out. Um, they call the, they, they start boarding, give them a passport. And they're like, um, you can't get on the plane. What? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And they're like, you have to get a visa. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You get the visa in Havana. Like once you land. And they're like, no, you have to get it here. And I was like, well, where where do I get it? And they're like, you have to go, you know, maybe like 20 feet to, you know, buy the visa. And I'm like, okay, well, just wait. I'm going to go get it right now. And they're like, unfortunately, no, you have to get it like early. And I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Make a long story short. I lost my shit. <laughs> I, I, but I was like, I had to be very- You were trying to calm, right, 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 yeah, right. Because yeah, like, right. I'm in this new country. Right, like, right, of course. Anyway, they don't let me on the plane. I have to sleep in the city of Mexico City. <laughs> sleep sleep wow. in the airport in Mexico City. Finally get to Havana like the next day. Um, and mind you, right, I still- um, I don't know. I get to I get to Havana um, and everything is fine, but uh, it just was it kind of just threw me off like completely. But Havana was absolutely beautiful, was lovely. And I saw so many small corner barbershops there that made me think about all of the shops back in Philly, because there were these guys who would just be hanging out of the shops. They would, you know, um, you know, you would look inside and they didn't have a lot of equipment. It was mostly just like scissors, razors, and a comb. But these guys was coming out with these like crazy face. And I'm like, <laughs> you did it with just, with with what? Um, so I, it really made me understand that there was a community around barbershops, very similar to the communities of barbershops that I saw um, back home and growing up. And it, it was an idea that like stuck with me um and so i just you know like wrote it down and thought about it more and more and more to cultivate the idea to flesh it out um but it was just like taking photos in barbershops but at the time i was also reading um song of solomon by tony morrison and in one of the sections of the book um milkman who's a character finds out that emmett till dies um while he's in barbershop and I was like, oh, this is interesting that um, this is a like really celebrated piece of literature where a barbershop appears. I wonder if this happens in other books. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, 
through doing the like research at the time, I found out that that was true. So like, you know, Ralph Ellison talked about it, how the barbershop is a black man sanctuary. Um, and, 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 you know, in other books, I, I, I believe Richard Wright talked about it at some point too. Um, so there was this, uh, this proof that there were barbershop appearances in like these really classic um, pieces of literature, black pieces of literature. Um, so I was like, oh, it could be cool if I like take all these pictures and then tie them back to um, these books. So I was talking to, you know, a few people and like just cultivating it and sharing a little bit more. And um, the cool thing was that like, oh, there's a possibility to like bring in new voices, like talk to the people who are of the present day about what the barbershop experience is for them and what their thoughts and ideas about it are. And, and um, the rest is kind of like magic in history at this point. Mm -hmm. Nice. I read that you um you visited Fulton County Jail on haircut day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. What was that like? And were there any similarities to what goes on there as to the actual barbershop? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I knew that I wanted to do and creating the book was like, I knew that I wanted to go to a prison or a jail to see what it was like to get the haircut. Cause I have read some stuff about how in certain prisons, um, guys aren't allowed to cut their hair because um, it could be a security risk. And I was like, that's wild to think that like, I can't change up how I feel or how I want to present myself because of some like security issue. Um, so I, I wanted to explore that a little bit further. My plan was to go to, I don't know, um, Angola in New Orleans to see that prison. But, you know, I tried to go to Cook County in Chicago. But once I landed in Atlanta, um, I found out that the sheriff was also a graduate of Morgan State. So <laughs> I sent him this email. Oh, and I was like, that hey, I'm a... <laughs> I'm a recent, not a recent, but like I went to Morgan, like you should let me come in and, sh and shoot inside. This is what I'm working on. Yeah. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. We'll be in touch. And he didn't reach out to me till like five months later. What? But finally, yeah, it took forever. Um, a lot of it was like scheduling because like he would like re put me in contact with this like PR person and then she would be like, oh, we're not looking good this week. And so finally... Um, I was able to go in, but it was it was a really transformative moment for me because, you know, um, going into the jail, you have to give them everything you have. Like there's you don't have anything um, other than what you're wearing, at least for me going in. But also just thinking about what these guys have, they're literally just left with their bodies. Um, and however you come in is how you may just be for however long you're there, because a lot of these guys are either, you know, awaiting trial or they, you know, haven't been convicted of anything. So they're waiting or they can't post bail. So they're just there. Um, and, you know, when you think about the transformation of a haircut, um, it, it kind of, um, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, it's, for me, I, I imagined it being really difficult to express yourself if you don't feel like your full version, the full version of yourself. You know, for me, 
if I don't have a haircut for an extended period of time, I feel a little bit depressed. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like um, I am able to go out into the world and feel like I can do what it is that I need to do. Um, And one of the things about um, that experience for me was I was able to talk to these guys who some of them hadn't had a haircut in more than 90 days. So I, I really wanted to know from them, you know, firsthand what it was like to not be able to do the things that we do as easy as we do. You know, like I could walk to a barbershop right now if I wanted to to get a haircut. And these are people who have to kind of like wait for permission um, to do that. And and they spoke really candidly about, you know, oftentimes they don't feel human. Um, they, um, they don't feel confident going in front of a jury. They don't feel confident in going in front of a judge because they don't have a haircut. I, it changes uh, your whole energy. It changes your whole mood, vibe, whatever you want to call it. Like not having a haircut and then you get one, you come out and you feel like Superman, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, for me, I, I feel like when I get a haircut, um, I feel invincible for like 72 hours, you know, like I can do whatever it is that I want to do. And these are guys who, you know, they, they can't. Um, and that, and that was really interesting to me. And I talked to a lot of the barbers too, who were cutting their hair, who were also incarcerated or just, um, you know, jailed at the time. Um, and, you know, many of them had learned how to cut hair through, you know, other stints um, in jail or, you know, had was a skilled barber before they were, um, incarcerated. So we talked a little bit about what that um, was like and how, how how special it is and important it is for them to take care um, of these guys because they oftentimes, that's the only time that you have care uh, from another person um, in jail. And another thing too, if I can just mention really quickly, is that for, you know, as men, we don't oftentimes have a lot of people touching us outside of our partners and you go inside of a barbershop a man is like touching your face he's touching your head he's making you know moving you in these ways that are are intimate um to some degree um and the level of trust that you have and the um you know just sharing that with somebody i think is like really special um and they got a chance to exercise that and feel that um in in jail and i was very very blessed to have all right we want to take it to the blunt yeah take it to the blunt right, we're gonna uh, hit you with rapid fire questions rapid fire answers uh what is the first place you're gonna go eat when you get back to philadelphia oh uh, probably oh man this is hard I'm probably going to go to Vincent's to get a cheesesteak. Okay. What is the wildest hair? Oh, go ahead. Good. Let him him plug Vincent's. Where's Vincent's? Vincent's is a spot in Overbrook or like West Philly area. Cheesesteaks, hoagies, all that stuff. Very good cheesesteaks. Yeah. Johnny doesn't cross the school. (laughs) West Philly ends at like uh, University (laughs) City for Overbrook. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What's the wildest hairstyle you ever had? Wildest hairstyle that I ever had was probably a bald head um, in the beginning of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> completely bald? No, I, completely bald. You know what? Probably that's probably not. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, probably the craziest. 
Although uh, I was rocking a high fade for a very long time that was always kind of misshapen because I could never really get the back like I wanted to. So that was probably the worst. <laughs> uh, best Halloween costume as a kid. Best Halloween costume as a kid was um, I was five years old, I believe, and I was Aladdin. And my mom had me a Aladdin-ish inspired costume that was like satin. It was yellow. I had like a little hat turban with a uh, like jewel in the middle and a feather. Oh, it was nice. lit. <laughs> uh, what's your karaoke song? Um, karaoke song is When Doves Cry by Prince. Oh, nice. Uh, what is your go-to after church fellowship hour meal? Catfish, macaroni and cheese, and yams. <laughs> Uh, what was the worst city on your book trip? Oh, oh. see, this is this is going to be don't. tough because I have a lot of love. You said I shouldn't do it, Reef. No, I said I was going to say don't don't worry about it. Like, you okay, know, this is most, yeah. mostly Philadelphians are going to listen. Yeah, to yeah, no one else. Okay, really seen this. <laughs> so 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 the worst, um, I guess, experience was in Baltimore. Even though I went to school there, and I have a lot of love for people from Baltimore, lots of love. Uh, my Airbnb was trash, and the guy who ran the Airbnb was even more trash. So oh. definitely Baltimore. I couldn't even stay. I had to. I, I left after like two days and went back to DC. <laughs> uh, you can book any artist or group for your birthday party this year. Who's it going to be? Any? Oh, uh, dead or alive? Uh, it can be either. But you, you already know, said how to cry, so not Prince. Okay, so listen. I love Whitney Houston, so I have to bring Whitney Houston back okay. to sing in my birthday wow. party. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have any plans for a new book anytime soon? Um, yes, I have some plans for a new book. I am really interested right now in exploring more um, themes about the diaspora, um, especially as it, as it uh, pertains to the element of water. So that's my, my new idea right now. It's not complete just yet, um, but it's in the beginning stages. Awesome. What's the worst job you ever had? The worst job, okay. When I was in uh, college, I had a summer job as a uh, stock guy working at Victoria's Secret at the, what's um, downtown? The gallery? Uh, not the gallery. It's the, it's Liberty the one Liberty on place? Liberty Place. Oh, that place is the worst. Worst job ever. <laughs> they used to call me out sometimes from like the stock room to be security. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I am personally working on is blank. One thing I'm personally working on yeah, like, personally, um, like, like trying to try to uh, personal betterment. Um, reply to emails and text messages when I see them <laughs> <laughs> the first time. Right, right. <laughs> right. You're up, brief. Or is it me? You up, brief. Uh, what? Reef's what in is... the middle of a wrestling match right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the? Uh, what's the secret to making a relationship work? My, that's my go-to question. Um, 
communication and separating your feelings sometimes from the facts. <laughs> that works? Yeah, we're not really good at <laughs> that. doesn't work around here. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> I'm not a fan of New York, so tell us something terrible about Brooklyn. Um, the rats and uh, the train especially in Williamsburg and all of the like corny hipsters who drove up all the rent prices. Go back to where you <laughs> came from, suckers. Well, now they're starting to come down here. Y'all, it's, it's really like too much. Yeah. You said uh, 8,000. I, like, I feel like this, this is what, like I've seen this like in Havana, I've seen this in other countries. If you are not from a place, you shouldn't be able to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> unless like like you got to figure something out like it, yeah. maybe you marry somebody who's from there and that's how you work it out but like if you don't like have no real investment you gotta yeah. just rent bro Good that's that. how you do it i like that it's a good idea yeah i feel crazy saying go back to where you came from bro but, <laughs> no. uh, it's all right it, it, it's valid here it's valid here yeah yeah let me ask you a question. How many times have you met somebody who's like, oh, I'm from Philly? Like outside of, like outside of Philly? You're like, oh, I'm from Philly. Oh, where are you from? Oh, I, I live in Jersey. I live in Cherry Hill. <laughs> right, yeah. You don't live right. in Philly. Yeah. Right. Like, you're not right. from you Philly. People get to claim it. Yeah, when I went away to college, that was like my number one pet peeve. Everyone would be like, oh, I'm from Philly. And I'd ask to be like Ben Salem or South Hampton. <laughs> right, right, right. like, that is not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll say this. One thing about Philly is that like if you're from a section of the city, nine times out of ten, you probably stay just in that area. You got like like your life is there. But we not out here saying like it, we take that very personal. Like if you from sure. Ben Salem, yeah. you're from Ben Salem. Right. They love Ben oh. Salem. Tell yeah, us something yeah. good about Ben Salem. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Right. Say yeah. I'm from yeah. just outside Philly. You don't have to say Philly. Yeah. yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Represent yeah. upper represent upper Derby. Growing up with the yeah, yeah, right, West, right. West Philly, that was a big one, especially like Overbrook Park. Was like, yo, like, no, you're from Upper Derby, man. It's okay. Exactly. It's not a big deal. You know, right. I am very clear on people like, oh, you from Overbrook? Yeah, I'm from Overbrook. That's Philly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun. This is this was a good time. Yeah, Thank man. You so yeah, much yeah. Good to have you. Uh, appreciate yeah. you coming on. Uh, and Antonio Johnson, the book is next up. No, it's you. It's you, you next. next. You reflections. Next. Yeah, you next. Reflections in black barbershop. Way to white guy that up, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're next up, yeah. my friend. Yeah, you're the next, next guy. Yeah, get, get in, Johnny. Oh. no book. Uh, you're up uh, next, sir. <laughs> you next. Reflections in black barbershops. It's available wherever books are sold. Specifically, if you're in Philly, they're in stock at the Rent House Barnes and Noble. They're in Brewmall. Also, you can get it online at bookshop.org. Um, or barnesandnoble.com. Um, and if you support the man who is Jeff Bezos, it's also on Amazon. All right. <laughs> yeah, All right. gotta sell some books. Yeah, gotta exactly. sell some books. All right, yep. well, we appreciate you coming on, Tony. Thank yeah, you so thanks much. Thanks a lot, man. Good luck with everything. Thanks so much, man. Good luck. Yep. Keep going. Yep. Thank you. the sound of Philadelphia. Brotherly love, brothers covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.